Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 72nd episode of According to Alan. I am your host, Alan Miskowski, and we are live in the Talk Local studios. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this 72nd episode of According to Alan. I am your host, Alan Moskowski, and we are in the local 219 studios, not live. This is pre-recorded, and you will be listening to it after the fact. I am joined with Kyle Muha. Hello. Fresh off his Pittsburgh trip. Sure am. Sure am. And you got in town yesterday. Yes, at 5 p.m. yesterday. Awesome. So how was the trip? Good? It was good. I... Uh I just was on a long run of working a lot between both of my jobs, so it was nice to have a little little vacation, get away, and mm-hmm. uh, just enjoy a couple couple days where I got to meet with an old friend I haven't seen in a while. Nice. So, so how do you relax? What's what's a Muha vacation relax look like? Well, now that I'm really into photography, um, it's definitely scouting a lot of places to sightsee more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really want to go to places I haven't been to, been to before and experience new cities because I think there's a lot of value in that. So you, what you're saying is the entire time you were there, all you guys did was just walk around and take pictures. No, no, it was it was definitely drinking a lot of beer. Okay. Um, trying a lot of restaurants and dabbling in just we'd go to a lot of restaurants and just get appetizers, get a few beers, and just kind of hop around that way. Are you and your friend Hellraisers at any point? Is, like, is it about pushing the boundaries sometimes? I would say this trip, no, not necessarily. Mm. Um, we definitely drank, but it wasn't like, let's get super rowdy type type of uh, uh, weekend, I would say. Okay. The last time I was in Pittsburgh, it was around 2013. And uh, we went to go see Pearl Jam there. And afterward, we went out to get beers because it was such a long walk from the hockey arena to our hotel and uh, it, for some reason we were at this place and we were both shit faced right for whatever reason we were at this bar that was refusing to sit us so you guys must have been really shit really shit faced and then to add to it when they weren't looking and i was probably 30 minutes into us waiting i went around to the concierge table and drew a huge dick on the menu <laughs> Wow. I would say if there was one more person with us, it would have been a rowdy week. It was more so just me and my buddies. So like, I mean, there's definitely times to get rowdy with that. But it's when you're with the dynamic of three to seven people, Mm -hmm. that's when rowdiness happens. Yeah. So it was just me and another person. Okay. Still, though, I think that uh, you're right. I think there is a special number to rowdiness. Three just seems like, I guess, all bets are off. And one person's usually the instigator. Yeah, but I would say with you, like with three, I I could get rowdy with a group of friends for sure. Like if there's three of us total, because when I went to North Carolina last year to visit a friend, I went with another buddy Mm -hmm. and we got rowdy that weekend for sure. So what's the highlight of rowdy for you in a weekend in, in, in North Carolina? I would say, man, there there was a lot of highlights, but one in particular that stands out. We were seeing this bluegrass band, 
And this guy had like this 80s, like this, he played the fiddle. And he had this like 80s vibe to him. So he had these big like clear glasses that I don't think were real glasses. They were fake, but they were like big oval glasses. And he had like this 80s porn star mustache. And my buddy was just like, man, how old do you think that guy is? And he was convinced this guy was like 50 years old. I was like, dude, there is no way that guy's 50. And we were just like just drunk arguing back and forth how old it was. And eventually the band went on a break. So we went up to the Fiddler guy and we talked and we're like, dude, how old are you, man? The guy was like, oh, I'm 22 or something. And we just absolutely lost our mind because we were just drunk arguing about it. But like, it was kind of one of those things where you had to be there to, t- to understand like how funny it was. But that for okay. sure was a highlight of it. So that's rowdy for you, for the muha. I wouldn't say that was rowdy. I would say that was just a moment that stand out on the trip. Okay. okay. Rowdy's just being so pissed drunk that like you wake up and it's just like, whoa, how did we get here? Yeah, mine's my I think my definition of rowdy is going just far enough to where you can't get arrested, but you might. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah? Yeah. So like but and so like I, I don't know if there's any other times I'm trying to think of. When I was a lot younger, I was tend I tended to be a little bit more like destructive. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. not really in that sense anymore. <sighs> I would, yeah, I mean, that's true. I Even at this stage of my life, I turn 25 next month, but like I'm kind of past that stage of being destructive because I understand the consequences with being destructive. But I mean, like, you talked <laughs> to me while I was in high school or even like before I turned 21, like, oh, yeah, we were definitely getting destructive drunk. One of my favorite college parties ever was just eight of us, and it was down at IU at my friend's uh, house. And for whatever reason, we had a keg. And we just got stupid drunk and thought, and there was a whole party going on across the street, right? This is to show you how crazy it got for us seven that we started smashing lawn chairs and lawn, lawn, lawn equipment, <laughs> lawn furniture out on the deck. And so then like, it would just like every, with every smash, it like became bigger laughter, you know? And like, then it turned into like one of my buddies throwing the keg off the deck and just missing somebody's car. The cops got called. Not for the party that was raging across the street, but for the seven of us <laughs> destructing everything on the outside. And so luckily those days are beyond us. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of another time, like any time recently where it's been destructive. The most recent time I would say that we had a destructive night, and I'm not going to name names just for the sake of possibly getting in trouble. Um, <laughs> but this was after I got done DJing a wedding, so I was already pissed drunk. But I met up with my friends at the bar after the wedding, and then we were walking back to my buddy's place home. And my one buddy literally hopped over this, it was a tall black pointed fence. You know those kind that I'm talking about? It's like super tall, but at the top of it, it's super pointed. It's kind of like an old school fence. Like a know? metal? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he climbed over that to go hop in somebody's pool. And in the process of doing that, just ate shit. And we have a photo of him. And it literally looks like he got his ass beat by like five people. (laughs) So like all that's going on. And in the process of that, like we're walking down the street on the sidewalks. We're like taking stop signs and like, you know, shaking them to like potentially get them out of the ground and just like smacking signs and just doing stupid shit like that. But that was like honestly the last time I really remember like being destructive, rowdy. I would love to break in someone's backyard and swim in their pool. That sounds fun. It's a rush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a fun thing. I just there's a moment of everything where I feel like it's past me. I don't feel like that's past me. 
but I do feel like doing hallucinogens is past me. I don't think I can do shrooms or I don't think I could do like, you know, I, you watch Joe Rogan for five minutes and DMT comes up. Yeah. I don't think I could do any of that stuff anymore. It depends, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that before? Yeah. 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 And so is that an experience that like you can control? Um, to some extent, yes. Um, my experience, I've, I've done my fair share of hallucinogenics at music festivals and stuff like that. And that's definitely more of the environment that, I, for me, that works to do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you have some control over it, but you don't I also at the same time. It's a more of a mental battle with yourself than anything. So what's the craziest experience you've had with hallucinogens? Oh, man, a lot. I don't even know what, like, specifically pops out, but <laughs> I, one, of the, one of the first music festivals I went to, I don't even know how much I did. I think I did two tabs or two tabs of acid, and I swear to God, dude, like, once, like, the peakness of that drug hit to where, like, it's at the strongest point, everything around me, it turned into, like, I was in... Like the colors of everything around me, it seemed like I was in like a game like Candyland or something like that. So like everything just had this animated look to it because the colors were so bright and so like popping. It seemed like I was like an animated character in a way. Like That's I was crazy. I, like I was in a different world. But I mean, like that was also one of the best times I've ever had on that drug. So that's a that's a great like thought process because can you embrace those like I don't know if I can embrace that nowadays. See, but that's where it comes back to it's more of a mental battle with yourself. So if you understand that it's the drug that's working and it's making its course on doing this stuff then like if you fully understand that and you accept that, then it's a lot easier when those type of things happen. To just allow them to happen without like being like freaked out about it. Yeah, and appreciate it. it in the moment, which yeah. is really tough to do. Yeah. Because I mean, I've definitely had my fair share of experiences where like I've definitely taken a mental beat down from being on those type of stuffs to where like I'm battling within my inner self if I'm even going to make it. Shit, that's not fun. But those, those are also super rewarding in its own way. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, like... Both sides of the spec- spectrum, I definitely have gained something from. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, speaking of crazy, um, you were in studio for the Halloween special we, we aired. The, the That's crazy. <laughs> the, the That's crazy episode. <laughs> if you had to guess how many times you said that's crazy, what would you put the number on? Um... I'm going 15. At 15? 15. I that's, think that's being that's being polite. I could it's definitely north of it. I just don't know how north I want to go. Was it 30? I I may have to listen back just to get a number on that cuz after that we put that podcast out, we just kept saying that's crazy. <laughs> well, one of my favorite parts about recording that podcast and hopefully everyone checked that out. It's it's on our podcast network, so Check it out. It's a talk local. I think it's number 40 um, for the Halloween special. And it was really a lot of fun to have them in. But one of the reasons I was enjoying it, because I think it's pretty much documented at this point that I believe in it. Spirits and the whole the whole nine yards. And you were a skeptic going into that. So how did how did you interpret what we heard? With what 
with what Sandy was saying, it was all very believable stuff. Um, my The only thing that I still second guess is these are, I feel like this is still a subjective thing to some degree. Um, but she was very convincing with all the stories that she said, and at least it convinced me that there's definitely some shit going on in that jail. To what extent, I'm not sure. I would have to experience that for myself. But she, with all the stories and the amount of stories that they had, it definitely let me believe that there's spirits or energies or whatever you want to call them inside the jail. I think what's hard about that, like, so it's just you can't see it. And being someone who experienced it myself, the first couple experiences throughout the night, I could have talked myself into thinking that I was imagining them. So I think that's what makes it hard. Yeah. And that's where I feel like it could be subjective. You know, like where you're you're going into a location that you know has spirits or these energies. And I mean, your mind has powerful ways to work itself. So, I mean, I feel like you it's a very strong possibility to trick yourself into believing some stuff that happened to you that didn't, you know. For sure, for sure. One of those moments was when we were down in the basement or the, the first floor area, and there's a long hall. Um, and the hall's probably about 50 feet long, 60 feet long. And behind me was about 40 empty feet. And so we were sitting there, and the group was in front of me. I had my back to the 40 empty feet. And eventually, uh, and the best way I can only really explain it was that when someone walks up on you and you know someone's walking up on you, you rarely like look back like weird or crazy to like find out what's going on, you know? So when someone was walking up on me, I didn't turn around and look like, Oh, what the hell's that? I just let it settle and then kind of been like, okay, now I'm going to glance behind me and kind of check out my bearings of who's behind me. And then no one was there. And so it was like, all right. But and then I looked at the, the Josh at the time and I was like, Josh, did you, just hear that and he's like no dude what are you talking about so it's like okay where does that leave me you know it's like did i just make that up yeah did i just totally just hallucinate that you know so how many let me ask you this what would acid be like in the jail not good i would not do that i wouldn't even consider it okay good enough enough. because like when you do talk about energies of people and when you are on those type of drugs like the energy and the vibe of a type of person is no more is so apparent when on your when you're on those type of drugs that it would it would freak me out for sure. Okay, so that's good to know. Um, but yeah, I thought the podcast went really well. I thought hearing the stories, and you know what, it happens almost every time when we're doing these podcasts. It's like the second we turn off the mics, it's like the stories get even deeper, you know, and so. I don't even know if I can I say that. Can I even say what was said? I don't know. That's a little touchy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should say it. I mean, I feel like I brought it up, so I almost feel like I have to at this point. Yeah, I mean, at this point, this is this is bad radio if we don't bring it up. (laughs) So, essentially, when the when the when, when the mics turned off and we were just talking. It got much more personal, right? Mm-hmm. And so we started hearing stories about their family members being haunted by ghosts that would be, I mean, how do you say this? You know what? Fuck it. So this one of the women's daughters was seeing ghosts and it's to the point to where 
talking to them directly, right? Getting sent home from school because they followed her to school, right? And then getting to the point to where um, they'd ask her questions about it, their her relationship with these ghosts, and she'd have a full backstory on them. Yeah, that it was really creepy, super creepy. That was super insane. Yeah, right. It really was. I was just like, how do you even just live with that? Yeah, that's that's and see, that's my biggest fear with the whole world. That whole world is I really want to do a podcast where we're in, we're like we're going down this path of like religion and spirits and all this stuff but I just don't want to open myself to that world. That's the, that's the only reason why I don't want to do it. That's I mean there's potential for some bad voodoo going your way. Yeah, and I know we've talked about it in, in podcasts before but I will say the one cool thing about that podcast for me and there's a lot, there's very rare moments where I get to sit back and really appreciate the moment we're in when we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was Halloween night. We teamed up with Lakeshore Public Media, which was my old work. It's like, it is what it is. And they're an NPR radio station. And I'm a big, like, there's, there's some classic dudes for me that like, I have all, I, I will always be influenced by. And it's like Hemingway. It's probably 10 year ago, Eddie Vedder, for the most part. I don't know if it's still the same way for me. He's just a little bit of a different dude. There was a point there where he was like, he was not afraid to take on anybody and say anything he wanted. He's kind of slowed that down a lot, you know? And then I would say uh, Orson Welles is probably another guy that I really appreciate. And I use as an influence daily when it comes to film and creating these videos. And it was kind of a moment where... Right before we were set to air, Orson Welles's War of the Worlds was re- was was being played, so we like they literally put up the program. And this wasn't talked about between Tom and I, but it was Orson Welles leading into our Halloween special, which kind of like put it like it made it kind of cool. I don't know who that is to be honest. Orson Welles? Yeah. Okay, so essentially, he lost his entire career for making Citizen Kane. The movie. So you, are you familiar with Citizen Kane? I definitely am familiar with the title and kind of the premise of the movie, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Okay. Essentially, whether or not I'm doing it organically or not, or if this is something I'm predetermining, it doesn't feel like I do it, but um, I'm essentially living this uh, it, the, the, probably 30 minutes into Citizen Kane right now. So essentially what happens is made in the 1920s, um, starts off as like he's adopted, he's a kid. Right. Um, he gets adopted into a really wealthy family. I was not adopted, nor was I a part of a really wealthy family. Right. We were white collar. We were blue collar, um, middle class. But he ends up buying newspapers. So he buys like 15 to 20 newspapers. This is around the time where like yellow belly journalism was at its peak. Are you familiar with the term? It's pretty much falsehoods that was getting put in newspapers to sell them. Okay. Okay. So William Randolph Hearst was the real life biopic was like the the guy that the movie's somewhat based off of. Well, not somewhat. It is. And what ends up happening in the movie is he buys the newspapers with that with the buying of the newspapers, sells it, makes a ton of money, buys a ton of influence because now he's got the all that behind him, ends up running for office, um, ends up essentially dying alone. I think it was really what it comes down to. 
but he ends up having this this kind of woman that he falls in love with probably around halfway through that's like attractive and she's like she's a singer horrible singer but he forces it on people because he loves her so much it's a whole thing well um that movie was because it was almost taken autobiographically from William Randolph Hearst at the time. Every theater, like he fought tooth and nail to not get it released and theaters wouldn't show it. So he never even got to really experience the success of the movie. So it's a popular movie that didn't even go in theaters is what you're saying. It was a very limited release and it wasn't out very long. And what ended up happening is, is like, obviously, you can't argue it. It's probably most critics, or if you look at like those AFI top 100 movies of all time lists or whatever, it's pretty, pretty dominantly number one. Okay. It's like the Sgt. Pepper's of, the, of like the film world. Okay. Right? And so it's black and white. It's shot very uh, cinematically. Well beyond its years, right? Because in that in that time period, there's like a lot of other like stuff going on, but for the most part, that time period shot way beyond its years, ahead of its time, doesn't get released. The guy goes pretty much loses his career over it. Essentially, it's a huge bust, and then spends the next thirty years just gaining a shit ton of weight and creating one of the, probably the best documentary of all time called "F Isn't Fake." So I don't think I've ever seen that one either. He just he just didn't give a shit. It's pretty awesome, and he was always like to the. To, he was always about like the art. Mm-hmm. I can respect that. It was it was pretty cool. So his his like real jumping off point was he. So are you familiar with War of the Worlds? Aliens come down, take over the planet. It's crazy, right? <laughs> Essentially, that's your that's your click note. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so at the time, obviously, radio is a big deal. Right. It's probably the number one medium in the in the country. And he decides to do he's big into plays at the time. He does a radio version of that play or that story. Okay, so essentially he's saying, man, I feel like people are either really I can hear the fucking radios turning off right now. (laughs) (laughs) So he he essentially does the does does the story, has voices and everything causes complete chaos with people who are listening to it because they literally think aliens have touched down on the fucking planet because they didn't they didn't like tell people that it was fiction and they did it in a way that sounded like newsy so this was this was on the rate the story was on the radio and that's why people made were made to believe it was real yes okay yeah (laughs) so that was the precursor that took him to citizen kane which got his career pretty much off-roaded because he was one of the few people, because of his success on the radio and because of being able to do all that stuff, the the uh, the, the, the production company was like, you got free reign to do whatever you want. So he decided to do Citizen Kane, and it blew up in his face. Hmm. But for all the wrong reasons, not the right ones. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little confused on why Citizen Kane was so controversial. Because the guy in which he was depicting was the most influential person in the country. Oh, okay, okay. Makes yeah. sense now. Okay. So, like, like the, of course, you know, William Randolph Hearst had newspapers. William Randolph Hearst had a mistress, you know? And, like, apparently William Randolph Hearst called his mistress by a name called Rosebud for her, for, for, for her private area, right? 
And the name Rosebud gets said twice in the movie. Okay. Directly so. calling that dude out, dude. Yeah. And so, you know, there's like a there's a whole like influential side of the thing, you know, that like it's like this is a guy literally raging against the machine and doing it without like the support of anybody else, which ended up ended him. Hmm. Okay. It all makes sense now. Okay. Yeah, man, I don't know if we need to cut that out or not, but uh <laughs> So yeah, so that was for me one of like, the, like that was a really great moment for me. That was one of those times where I'm sitting there listening and I'm like, dude, this is really cool. That one of the, my biggest influences is is like literally back to back with what we just did. That was the most Orson Wellesian thing I've done. Does that make sense? It's just how the world works. It's how the world works, dude. So that was really exciting. And then in that time period, it's been a few, a couple of weeks. We'll jump right past that topic because I don't think anybody really cares more to hear about it. But um, the Halloween party, big shout out to Fresh Hops and those guys, dude. They fucking killed it. And you know, we I, I was telling people how blessed and honored we were to have them at that party, and they literally took it to an even a level better than I imagined they could have done it. They performed that album. Very, very well. I was beyond impressed. And the original stuff. Oh, yeah. The original stuff is phenomenal. I really... I mean, just everything that they got going on, they're they're a great band. They got talent. They've got stage presence. It's like, dude, they're... they're, And that song, The Wolf, is a hit. Yeah. It's just... It just sucks how hard it is to gain traction in the music business because i mean like they definitely do like a ton of shows and stuff but it's like they they should be further along in their journey than what they are based on their talent well i think you need money yeah that definitely helps and i think their best studio work is ahead of them yeah i don't think it's behind them and so the wolf is one of those songs that's not released yet and it's probably i mean i haven't like dove into their entire catalog and combed through it listen gave every album 20 listens but man, I know a great song when I hear it, and that's a great song. They had a couple of just really good songs. I can't, I don't remember the names of the other one, but I, I mean, I think they played four or five original songs, and I'd say three out of the five, I was like, damn, this is fucking heat right here. Yeah, yeah, nothing but heat. But I want to thank everybody who came into that. That was really awesome. It was about, uh, I think we ended up having about 180 people total. Uh, so that was really cool, and really thank you for that. Thank you for being patient. And we had a little trouble with the with the bar, uh, probably like the first forty five minutes, and we just got overrun, guys. And, and it's really easy to be critical from these about these things, like from the from a distance. But at the end of the day, man, like it's our first one, you know. And, and like just be be patient. We ended up, I think we caught up, you know, about thirty minutes after that. Um, hopefully, we didn't, you know, turn people off completely, but. It was just a struggle, and you know what the thing is, is like one of the one of the criticisms I heard was that pricing for the drinks was a little too high. I don't know. I think anytime I go to a bar, I'm expecting five to six dollars a beer. That's just what it is. I mean, I mean, maybe like if it's bottled Bud Lights or something, it could probably be in the three dollar three, range, three fifty. Yeah, three three fifty range. Um, but you were getting um draft Bud Light, and you were getting a craft like a craft beer, so that's just what it was going. Um, and the hard, the mixed drinks were eight bucks. The biggest thing that people don't realize is that when you don't buy your tickets ahead of schedule, you force those prices on people. It's just, it's just too hard to prepare. It's too hard because we literally four days up into that event, we had 20 people going. <laughs> That's the reality. Yeah. Right. And then so when 180 show up, <laughs> you're like, okay, well, 
that's great. But man, I mean, if we could have had more people, it would have probably taken down pricing, Mm -hmm. you know? So just kind of keep that in mind for you event goers out there that like, if you do go to those events, do yourself a favor and help the event organizer. (coughs) Thank you. By buying your tickets ahead of time. Yeah, definitely. It really helps. It definitely makes a difference because there was a stressful part for us. If we were even going to be able to throw the event just based on the amount of people that bought tickets. But like, I feel like we're in such an age now where like you don't commit to going to something till the day of. Yeah, like you you don't have kids. No, you know, like know. you don't need to go get a babysitter. And that's the thing is like you 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 can make decisions up to the last minute and be fine. You know, for like me, I got to like get a babysitter and then I got to do this. So like I've got I got to get like 2 to 3 days out. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario. Worst case I'm calling someone the day of. Yeah, because I would say even a lot of times, like, I would be like, oh, crap, I really want to go t- to this thing. And then the day of, I'm just chilling at home, playing Xbox or something. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to just grind on some 2K instead. It's awesome. <laughs> and it's true. I, I, I'm guilty of it as well. Um, but, yeah, so that was really great. I want to thank Crown Brewing for helping out with that. I want to uh, thank Envy Media, Jack, for doing the selfie mirrors. I saw those things popping up all over the place. That was really cool. And thanks to the guys from Fresh Hops again, man. They're awesome. And any way that we can help them, we will. So um, if you also have been paying attention to what we've got going on now, we've got our region's best taco contest happening. And so I don't know if the fanfare for that one's going to be as big as the other ones because I just don't feel like that sector of the restaurant world is really good on social media. But I could be surprised. Yeah, because I mean, like, I I feel like any place that's super fire Mexican wise, it's always just kind of like a riggedy shack type deal, and not like a full full restaurant. Mm-hmm. And no no diss at all at all for that. I mean, that's my type of vibe more than anything. But yeah, I I I really don't know what to expect from the taco contest. Me neither. Hopefully a fat burrito could get uh, on there. Dude, we had fat burrito for lunch today, and I still can barely move. Fire. We're both, like, sitting back in our chairs. <laughs> like, we just got done just running a marathon. So, uh, what else we got, Kyle? Chicago Bears we could talk about. Bears blow. All right, that's the end Next of that. Next topic. <laughs> um, I have been doing the sports books uh, with DraftKings uh, quite heavily. I've, I got home... This was probably a week and a half ago, and I got home. My mom was in the kitchen just getting dinner prepped and stuff. She's like, guess guess what your brother did? I was like, I don't know what. She's like, he won some money on DraftKings. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, She's like, guess how much? I was like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. She's like, no, he won $1,000. My, bro, my brother won $1,000 on DraftKings. That's awesome. I was like, damn, that's pretty sick. That's really sick. I'm sure he's playing the fantasy portion. Yeah, I think it's the daily fantasy portion. Nice. Yeah, we're, I'm doing the more sports book stuff. So you're so you're just doing like your over under bets or like doing yeah. the point bets and stuff like that. Yeah, and I've I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm probably hitting it around an eighty percent clip right now. But I, my losses have been losses. That's yeah. the only thing that sucks. So that that I'm assuming that just works the same as the daily fantasy. You just throw in your money and then you have like a online account. That yep. Yep. So I started with a hundred bucks. I've been down to sixty. I've been up to one forty, and now I'm down to one down to about eighty five. But I think I, I'm gonna do that. I I mean I hate daily fantasy. I hate daily fantasy. But if I could do sports betting on my phone like that, I think I may take that up. I'm finding myself watching horrible basketball now. So 
it's not shocking that if you're going to see me at my house, there might be a Pelicans <laughs> jazz game going on. <laughs> That's the beauty about sports betting. <laughs> it is, though. It is. And just like... And, and I mean, you have to watch the entire time, too, because you know the final the final minute or the final two minutes. Well, the NBA is, is everything. It's the most stressful time for yeah. any sports betting because it's like you're right on the edge of the over-under hitting. You're, it feels like the spread's like one point away in all sports. Like somehow they are <laughs> always fucking spot on for the Vegas books. It's, it just takes sports to a different level. Oh, every time. I ended up losing my ass on Sunday because I because they have player prop bets too, which is kind of fun. I don't I don't mess with prop bets. Well, I, that's because you're scared. <laughs> I am. You're a little but... guy. You're a little guy. So we did. I won Saturday night. I had I had over under eighteen and a half on Kyle Lowry. He had thirty four. So I'm like, that's fun. Eighteen and a half. That's it. That was it, dude. He's gonna get that every game. He's the, he's the primary scorer. That Siakam dude's a pretty pretty good score for them too, but. I was under Lori Markkinen for 17 and a half on Sunday. Hit that one. But then I'm like, this is where it gets to me. When I really feel confidence, when I probably shouldn't bet. Because that always goes the opposite way. I saw Lakers, San Antonio, Danny Green revenge game coming. The fucking points, the props was eight and a half. For him? For him. He's averaging 13 a game right now. So I'm like, he's playing his old team. Eight and a half should be no problem. That's three threes for him. Three threes. He comes out one for one, two quick fouls on the bench. He ends up in foul trouble the entire game, <laughs> ends with three points, dude. <laughs> I had 45 bucks on that. Dude. Damn. A big hit. I don't know who it was, but I saw, because I follow a couple of the sports books on my Twitter feed, just because I like knowing the lines and stuff for the games. Some guy made a $20 12-team parlay bet, and he won 40-something grand off of 20 bucks. Dude, parlays are crazy. I feel like that's the route I would go if I was sports. It's the craziest route, but I feel like it's the most rewarding. Well, dude, if you put in a $3 parlay bet and you're covering the money lines, odds are you're probably going to come out of that with about 50 to 60 bucks. Just a three-team parlay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's, there's definitely more reward in it. Um, I think you really got to know what you're doing. Like that's that's step two. I think the first step of this is just betting low, just to get a vibe of what's going on. Because mm-hmm. there's two teams right now I would not bet any money on. The the lines that don't make sense for me are baseball. Because what's like the minus one fifty plus one fifty? Is that who's in favor of winning? You know what I'm talking about? So what happens is is like for every dollar. You're supposed to win a dollar fifty. Okay, that's what that essentially is. Okay, so that's or is it every ten dollars is a fifteen dollars? I don't know. One of those two. Okay, but so plus one fifty means that's what you're going to get. Negative is what is what your is the opposite. So for every minus hundred, you're just only making your money back. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so if you're minus one fifty, then you're making a little bit less than your money back because it's supposed to be guaranteed. What's crazy about this app is if you're watching the games and you understand just purges in basketball, right? Where it's like, oh, here's a fucking 12-point run. The the lines continue to evolve as the game's going on. 
in real time. Mm-hmm. So I caught it was huge. It was Philly versus Portland. I watching the game on NBA TV. Portland just goes on a crazy run, like one of those runs where they just total heat check, can't miss a shot. I think they're up nineteen. The the spread went from plus or minus one for Philly to plus twelve and a half. I bought in at the plus twelve and a half. So now Philly's giving me twelve and a half points. They came back and won the game. So I ended up winning by like fourteen points. Yeah. Fuck. I'm gonna have to get on this. App. It's pretty fun. So like the only way I will say the only competition. Remember when like I started doing the my team stuff with mm-hmm. NBA, and I was like, dude, it's pretty fun. It's more fun than that. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know if that where that lies for you. I'll be honest, because like I I was stoked for the NBA season, and I still haven't even watched the game from start to finish yet. Two things to watch out for right away: Houston sucks. Yeah, they uh, I've I've seen that. Houston is not fun. They literally pass the ball to one guy, and he dribbles the clock out for twenty four seconds, and then he fires up something. That's not how you play winning basketball. And they're really struggling with that right now. And they don't their their secondary players are not nearly as good as they have been in years past. So mm-hmm. they're in trouble. Miami is playing uh, out of their fucking minds right that now. That one guy, Don, is that his last name? The something like that. Or none. It's none. none. It's none. That guy has had a fucking start to the year and he was undrafted. Yeah, well him him and there's that uh hero kid. Hero, yeah. Who's just making it rain yeah. out there, dude. And they're playing such team basketball. They're playing what basketball is meant to be, and that's geometric. Yeah. Spacing and geometry. That's the thing, like I didn't give Eric Spolcher a lot of credit when he had LeBron, but he is a great coach. But I wonder how much of it is a byproduct of being a part of those teams. Like, was he as good as of a coach then as he is now? I don't know. I mean, do you remember King LeBron shoulder-checking him going out of a timeout? <laughs> no? I do remember that. No one brings up that highlight reel when we're talking <laughs> about the great LeBron James. Uh, but I, So I don't know if he was, I don't know if he's evolved. I don't know what to really expect with it all. But um, another team to not to avoid, Denver. Jokic looks so slow out there right now. I don't know what happened to him or if he's hurt or what's going on. Um, it's just like the weirdest part about it is he can't move at all, but he can be running, jumping, fading away. And I'm, I shouldn't even say running and jumping. Cause that's too athletic. Like more like one leg up in falling. the air, falling down, throwing a ball up in net. It's like net every time. I don't know how this guy's doing it. There's no way that Denver team's going to be nearly as good as they have been in years past. I feel like they could. They'll be like a six to eight seed, though. Yeah, but they were the best in the West. I think what last year or the year before. Yeah, but that was a fluke, man. No, nobody thought that the Nuggets were gonna go to the finals or anything like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's just one of those fluke things. Yeah. So it's been. It is. I think it is fun. I think the thing is, is like, I think my Danny Green assumption was right. It just went the opposite way on me. <laughs> he obviously was playing up to the game. And it just got too excited. That's dude. So he got too excited. See, and the, I need to get into sports betting because my fantasy season. Oh, this is gonna save it. You're saved, dude. You just get a hundred bucks. Let yourself have some fun with it, and and go to town, dude. My only my only uh, hesitation is I tell this all the time with DraftKings. I won X amount of money, and I only got a certain amount of that money back to me when I checked out. 
they took some type yeah, of percentage. I only have ever checked out money on, on one of those sites. I'm usually like, I think I still have about 80 bucks left in my FanDuel account for the sports fantasy. And I have about, like I said, 85 in my, in my DraftKings right now. I'm going to have to talk to my brother and see how, how much of that money he got. Yeah. And figure that out. Well, I know if you take out a certain amount, you got to fill out your tax forms. Hmm. So anything else to add? No, no. Um, so I guess we'll wrap it there. I, I, I'm, we're going to try to do these more frequently. Yeah. Right. At least once a week. Once a week. Maybe with the, uh, if I get into the bed in here, we could do like a 15 minute sports bet podcast oh, or something. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be Just fun. Just kind of give our pet picks on the week of lines that we like or something. I would love that. That'd be cool. Cause yeah. like, I, I, like I'll show you when we get off here, what it's kind of like. Um, but yeah, so uh, as as we talked about earlier, we got our region's best taco contest that going on right now. Check that out. Thank you for listening. I mean, the listenership over this last like month has been awesome. I mean, we've been seems like really making strides. We're averaging about three hundred and fifty to four hundred listens a week right now, which is crazy to think about. A lot of our old episodes are getting five to seven listens daily, so it's like people are really kind of re, re-, re- like buying back in. And I think I want to start creating more actual work like um re- like shows in podcast form mm-hmm. instead of just doing a lot of talking head stuff i really would like to kind of sit down put together these series and then release those to the public i think that'd be really fun and i think that's the future for us in that sense um so i think that that's really cool um so thank you guys for listening staying with this this is amazing um Thanks for watching our videos too. I mean, these videos, they keep they keep surprising me. I mean, the, the Abioko one, I never would have guessed would have been at fourteen thousand organic views. I never would have guessed. Yeah, you could have told me seven, I would have been like, okay, I know that made a difference in their business, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> are you gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably. I would say it's like one of the more TV driven videos we've done. Mm-hmm like TV episode ones. And yeah, it was, uh, I, I really liked the outcome of that video too. Yeah. It, re- it really came out great. Um, so shout out to everybody who worked on that. Marco, you, myself, um, the Abioko team for that. That was great. And then, um, the give back episode we just did, that one had like 14, eight, I think the last time I looked and that, that kid's ridiculous. Like I, ridiculous, I, I would have never done any of that. I probably still wouldn't. Even you still do. don't do it. Yeah. I still wouldn't do it, you know, but She's got a heart. You're taking acid at music festivals, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> you're out. So if you if you're not familiar with that story, she is uh, I think ten going on eleven. She, instead of birthday gifts, which was her birthday was October thirtieth or thirty first, um, she was saying give us donations for the St. Jude House. Uh, we filmed that video at Pappas. Last I heard, gifts were pouring in, um, and the mom I, I don't I haven't checked in in a couple days. But it sounds like it's going to be it, it's it's been going really well. And um, the mom of Madison uh, made sent a private a public message that I haven't had a chance to respond back to yet. But um, it was very kind, and it was something along the lines of like, "Thank you, guy. Thank you, local two one nine for doing that. I don't think you have any idea how big of an impact that video had. So that's really awesome. I just haven't followed up to see what we're really talking about. And I, I'm going to say a pub a PSA really quick. If you're familiar with what we do and you see me out and about, okay, feel free to come up and say hello. I, I really do like that. Unless you got some shit to talk, okay? 
I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to tell everybody right now. I don't want to hear any shit talked to me at this point. People, when you're when you're when you're at there and you're hanging out and you're watching what we do, I I got a feeling that you think it's really easy, right? That we just make these videos um, and just put them out there and just kind of do it going on. Um, there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes here, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's stressful, and so. So a lot of times these deadlines, we don't get a lot of chance. We're trying to get better at it, but a lot of the times we're working almost day to day to keep up deadlines, right? And so there's not a lot of forward thinking of months in advance, planning this stuff out, executing it, scheduling it, and it's running like a machine, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's pretty much going to work and all right, what's on the plate today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what kind of shit's going down? So like when you come up to me on the street and be like, hey, man, I'd really love to do some video stuff for you guys and just, you know, turn it up a notch more than what you're already doing. I kind of want to say, go fuck yourself. That's a shot. It's a shot, dude. You're, I know you're meaning it well, but like chill out, you know, like we're, we're literally like out here grinding and I'm proud of the stuff we're doing. And if it's not meeting the standards of what that is, um, show me someone else who's doing it better. Right. Yeah. Let's end on that right there. <laughs> so um, appreciate it. I think if you if you but like again, if you do see me and you want to say what's up, please say what's up. I do appreciate it, and I do appreciate getting a chance to really meet everybody outside of this. It's really awesome. Uh, it's just if you're gonna have criticism, just save it. I don't. There's this world's too crazy, and there's and I'm not gonna listen anyway. Valid. Valid. And let you know. So it's like you know. If you really want to have criticism, then invest your time into what we're doing and then find the time to do it, to say it. So um, that's really all I have. Uh, but thank you guys for everything. Seriously, it's been awesome. And then um, have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.